When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. McDavid centers. What a timer score! Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, hi-de-ho, neighborinos. Your weekend is underway. Your Edmonton Eskimos are home tomorrow to the Montreal Alouettes. Now, I hope you did your homework. Antonio Pipkin, Pipkin from Tiffin, will be the starting quarterback for the Alouettes. The Eskimos have beat them their last nine meetings. It'll be the 100th CFL game for Eskimos linebacker J.C. Sherritt made his Eskimos debut way back in July of 2011. You will hear from him as we move along tonight. Also, former Eskimo... Now an Alouette, earlier this season he was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. Receiver Adarius Bowman will be on the show a little bit later on tonight. We'll preview the Edmonton Marathon. That'll wind through the streets of Edmonton Saturday mor- or Sunday morning. Pardon me, Sunday morning you'll have the full marathon, half marathon, a 10K and a 5K. Also some fun runs tomorrow. John Stanton from the running room will be in studio. We'll also welcome Ken Davison who will be running his 100th marathon on Sunday. That's right. 100th marathon. Uh, each marathon, 42.2 kilometers. So he'll get that under his belt. And that is over 42,000 kilometers worth of racing, plus all the training runs and other races that he's done. Just marathons alone. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. It is 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30. Chad, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. If you would like to get in touch, you can call 780-496-0063. You can also text 6.30-6.30. The email inside sports at 630ched.com. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D, W-I-L-K-N-S. CFL tonight, we will have Ottawa taking on Winnipeg. The game starts in about half an hour. Both teams are 5-3. and three. The Blue Jays in New York, top of the third, leading the Yankees 4-2. But we want to set the table for tomorrow's game on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. 5.30 for the pregame show. The game will start at 7. And part of our broadcast crew, the one and only Dave Campbell. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. Uh, nice to be here and anticipating a 7 o'clock start still tomorrow. Have you in from the smoke? <laughs> you made it? You were... It's not as bad as Wednesday, but it's uh, getting close. To so they being... went back inside today, right? Yeah, they did. They did because the air quality index was around a, a 7. So and it's funny. Yesterday they, they practiced in a... in. A, 
you know, on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium, and it was about a seven, but it didn't start off as a seven. It was about a moderate level. Then it got to high, you know, the, the, the tip of the high um, rating for the index, but they were able to stay out, and it was fine. So tomorrow uh, we'll see. Um, the Eskimos released a statement today saying uh, it looks favorable, yep. but they can't make a call yet. So we'll know around noon, but there is uh, noon tomorrow. Uh, hopefully we'll have a better, we should have a better idea um, whether the game will go on or not. But uh, if you look at the forecasts and, you know, the jokes about weather people being wrong, you know, I mean, sure. they're in all of our minds right now and we really want them to be right. But it looks like a cold front's moving in and uh, that would definitely put the, push the air quality levels uh, down to a, a much more bearable level. So the Eskimos play again on Thursday. Yeah. So Sunday afternoon, we, I don't know if you've been told this, but we're assuming that that's one of the options. Yeah, that is one of the options. And then so. the and then another option, which I would assume would be the, the least favorable option, would be some point, I was checking their bye weeks. There's no shared bye weeks between these two teams. No, and that's the problem right now is... Uh, I don't know where you put the game if you put it in September or October. No, that, and that's the challenge. So that's uh, the scenario they want to avoid altogether, uh, for sure. So... Um, and the other scenario would be probably they would push it, push the start time back if they can, if they were told that the air quality levels would be, you know, more favorable. Oh, so they could start it a, an hour or two later. Sure, they could. Which isn't, okay. They could. So the best scenario, of course, is a seven o'clock kickoff and that's what they're, that's what they're banking on. So Who is it? Is it Konar that has asthma? Adam Konar? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, and th- that that's an issue, right? Is, you know, and. Uh, you want to make it safe, and anything above a seven, and we've you know breathed it in this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbearable out there almost. So you don't want to have a situation where you have your crowd uncomfortable, and obviously having your players who are exerting a ton of energy out there and really exerting themselves. You just you just don't want to put them in a safe, unsafe environment. So, but hopefully things are uh, looking. The way that the Eskimos say thing that they are, you know, the way they're looking according to the weather experts, and that we're going to get this game going. Okay, well, hopefully it it, it is play. I'm confident it'll be played tomorrow, and and that it actually starts at uh, at seven o'clock, like we all think it's going to. Dave, Jason Moss was on with Morley Scott as he is every Monday from seven thirty to eight, and he really took it on himself for the the penalties that the Eskimos have been taken. And, and hey, I know a lot of people who watch the team have pointed the finger at Moss. I think there's some validity to that. I don't think he, every single penalty uh, falls on the coach, but, no. he, but he did say he, he has to change things a little bit. Uh, now, are, are we going to have to... Well, obviously, we'll have to wait and see tomorrow how it plays out in a game, but has there been anything happening in practice that relates to penalties and discipline. Yeah, and this has been a, an ongoing issue since Jason Moss has been the head coach, and he's tried everything, fining uh, players, uh, having a penalty board, which I believe they still have. You know, there's, you know, doing extra, you know, run, running more in practice, mm-hmm. uh, push-ups, they, they still do. So what did he do this week? And this is the last resort, in my opinion. Um, okay, fine, we're going to take you out. So, for example, J.C. Sherritt committed a penalty, uh, and it was deemed a, a costly penalty. They took him out, and he had to sit out the rest of the period, so he missed 12 straight plays. There was one point the defensive line took a penalty, so Jason Moss swaps out the four for the uh, next four, and the starting four had to sit and watch, right? Wow. So he said it was extremely hard to do, and it's not to punish guys necessarily. It's not to 
threaten guys. He says it's to challenge guys. And, you know, he's a former athlete and a former professional uh, football player, and he knows what it's like to be challenged and how much that can fuel a player to be better, right? So, you know, it's at the point where it's what else am I going to do here, right? Mm-hmm. And, and good on him for taking the personal responsibility. Now he's got to, you know, he's written the check. He's got to cash it now. Uh, but, you know, there are some penalties that he can't control. You're right. The pre-snap, he can't control that. He can't control procedures and offsides and holdings and things like that. Uh, the unnecessary roughness, the uh, more egregious fouls, yes, he can. Objectionable conduct. Well, he wants to create the mentality, though, where you, you don't jump offside. No. You're, you're respecting your teammates. You're respecting your coaches, yeah. you know, by, by doing that. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I, I would hope that if J.C. Sherritt takes a penalty in a game, he's not removed. No. But I think, but I, but I wonder if there it's just just like, hey, nobody's immune to this. You can be exactly. you can be a longstanding veteran, excellent player on defense. I'm watching everybody equally. In a game scenario, it has to be a pretty egregious penalty for Jason Moss to remove a player. But he says if it does happen, that's what he'll do. So we'll see what happens. We we all know that this is a good football team. I think, um, and we have seen this team play some good football over the last two and a half seasons, but penalties have really prevented them from getting to the next level yeah. so they got to curb it well and like he said in his interview with morley it's the offside on second and four yeah He'd help it or, or 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 even on a on a second and long but it makes the field goal shorter for, mm-hmm. for the team or i mean they took that they had that third and 10 gamble against bc yeah take a penalty and it's third and 15 that's so, right i mean you're 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 making in that case it was a low percentage situation, but you made it even lower by, yeah. by taking a penalty. So that that's going to be one to watch. I, I mean, hopefully they can beat Montreal straight up without having to bend the rules at all, because the Alouettes are having a really tough year. Dave Campbell joining me on Inside Sports Eskimos and Alouettes tomorrow night. There will be a pretty significant change though at, at a big position for the Eskimos, and that's at running back. Good news is that C.J. Gable, even though he's out, and that's bad news, the good news it's he's on the one-game injured list. So hopefully it will be a one-game thing. Uh, so Shaq Cooper will play, and we've heard about Shaq Cooper for months, You mm-hmm. know, going back to the minicamp in Vegas in late April. And we saw him uh, most notably in a preseason game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, had 70 uh, yards from scrimmage and scored a touchdown. A little quiet in Winnipeg when basically the offense didn't play very well in, in that game anyway. Um the biggest concern about Shaq Cooper, and he has ability, and we've seen it, a uh, small sample size of his running and catching ability, it's the blocking aspect, the protection aspect. Uh, C.J. Gable was so good at it, you know, in protecting Mike Riley, or helping in protecting Mike right. Riley. How good is Shaq Cooper going to be to fill the void? And you know the Lions, or the, excuse me, the Alouettes are going to test Shaq Cooper. You, they got two linebackers who are very active. Uh, one is middle linebacker, Henoch Mwamba. Their well linebackers, Chris Aki, and they're, uh, I think, two and three in tackles in the league, and they're uh, close to being in the top five as, as far as defensive plays go. You know that probably Rich Dubler, the uh, longtime defensive coordinator in this league and the current one for the Alouettes, is going to test Shaq Cooper. But... You know, I think when it comes to ability, being able to run with the football and catch the ball, uh, I don't think there'll be too much concern there. So what? So what's his running style? If you want to compare it to C.J. Gable or or even John White, I mean, Gable to me was very good after first contact. Yeah. You know, White was. Uh, I mean, I called him a bit of a bowling ball. He was really good once he got <laughs> yeah. his momentum going, got yeah. his legs going. Where does Cooper fit in? It's probably more of a slashing type of back where he'll make you miss and. Um, I think he's his ability to bounce into another gap probably is a bit quicker than C.J. Gable. Where uh, I think Gable's ability was to 
you know, even if the gap was close, he could make contact and kind of move that pile a little bit, and then he could readjust and find the the next gap. Uh, but I think probably Cooper has the ability to find it quicker, you know, and freelance a little bit more. And he's definitely quick between the tackles. Maybe he can get outside the tackles a little bit quicker. Okay. So that's where I probably see the the, the differences with uh, with Cooper. Dave Campbell joining us in studio. He and Morley Scott will uh, call the game tomorrow night. Brendan Ulrich and Blake Dermott also brought part of our broadcast crew. Uh, Bryant Mitchell. Speaking of Brendan Ulrich, he's, he's, <laughs> he's he he lo- he loves Brian Mitchell, uh, and Brian Mitchell has looked fine. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that almost sounds like a backhanded compliment because I'm hesitant to say good simply because he hasn't played a lot. He's made yeah. some good catches and had some good games. We haven't seen him for a lot, but he gets a shot tomorrow. Saw him for about, what, five games last year? Had 500 yards. Right. Played pretty well. So um, numbers game, you know, he got caught up in that last year. Uh, this year he was injured early in camp. Didn't see him until uh, the game in Toronto about a month and a half ago. Uh, didn't see much of him since then. Only has two catches in three games. But uh, I think the ratio was a big issue. And now that they have the ratio... Uh, flexibility on defense because Christoph Malamba Chimenga and uh, Adam Konar are going to play, and Chimenga's uh, Malamba Chimenga is going to get the start at will linebacker. The Eskimos can go back to more of a heavier look with American receivers, so they're going to play four, uh, including Bryant Mitchell. Natasha will be the the starting Canadian with Bahar uh, rotating in there. But um, you know, I like the Eskimos' offense. There's it's e- it's easy to like. They got. Three receivers that are big-time playmakers and can stretch the field. What I think they're missing, though, is the receiver that can catch the intermediate uh, stuff a little bit more uh, frequently. And that's something we haven't seen in the in the offense, I think, enough. We saw a little bit from the Darrell Walker uh, before he really went off the last two games, uh, back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, Mitchell can attack you in a- any part of the field, in, in my view, but we, we've seen him read and you know, he can attack that 15, 20-yard zone. Right? Well, they need that, right? They, they didn't have they that really against do. the Lions. They yeah. really do. So, uh, Vidal Hazleton's back on the roster, uh, but I don't think he'll play. And he could be an option for Hamilton next week. So, that's an interesting scenario. And you got to think Bryant Mitchell knows that. And is, uh, you know, we'll see uh, We'll see how he handles the, the challenge tomorrow. And I think he'll handle it just fine. All right. Dave, thanks for the update. I'll let you get back to getting ready for the game, buddy. We'll see you tomorrow. You betcha. Thanks, Reed. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. So several people texting to 630-630 pointing out rightfully that Ken Davison, who's going to run his 100th marathon on Sunday, will have 4,200 kilometers worth of racing. Not 42,000, as I said. My response to that... Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a mathematician. Hey, Kellen. That is uh, a little before my time, unfortunately. Well, you you know what it was, though. Yeah. Well, then it doesn't matter if it's before your oh, time. Okay, if sure. you get the reference, you get the reference. Yeah. It's Friday. I'm completely Bones checked McCoy. out, by the way. So. <laughs> uh, still, that's still a, still a lot of running. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So 42,000 kilometers. Well, I'm sure there's somebody in the world that's done 1,000 marathons. Well, 4,200 kilometers would easily get you from Edmonton to someplace in Ontario or Quebec. Well, Canada's about 6,500 K across. Mm -hmm. So there you go. 
All right. You can text 630-630 whether you want to correct my math or just have any of the other comments or questions for the show. It's all fine. It is 624. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down home Southern food and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. You can check them out in person, 124th Street, 107th Avenue. John Stanton from The Running Room will begin to talk about the Edmonton Marathon a little bit later on. After the 630 News, we will welcome a Darius Bowman back to the 630 Jet Airwaves. Former Eskimos receiver now with the Montreal Alouettes. Remember, signed with Winnipeg in the offseason and was recently traded to the Owls. The big story, well, one of the stories for the Eskimos has been the uh, atrocious number of penalties this season. They have taken uh, 95 penalties this season, 10.5 per game. And the second most penalized team in the CFL is... The Montreal Alouettes, 9.1 per game. So uh, maybe the Hankles will be flying tomorrow night on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. But the Eskimos continue to work on cutting it down. You, you heard about Dave Campbell talking about a practice this week, players being pulled out of practice, pulled out of drills if they commit a penalty. And uh, Jason Moss, of course, uh, really put it on the line earlier this week with Morley. I'll Let's, say this what? about penalties, and I'll say this about discipline. I haven't done a good enough job since I've been here. And that's very evident because we have been one of the worst teams in the league at penalties since I've been here. We've gotten better in stretches of the season, but not quite good enough. So it's my fault, and I'm going to take the blame. And I can tell you from this day forward, things are changing in our, in our, in our organization. So, you know, it starts with me. The way I approach the game, the way I am, is going to change. And I'm going to make sure that I change so that when I look at players and I talk about discipline, they understand that's everybody. And it starts with me as the head coach. So it's not on my players. It's on me. I need to be better, and I will. I have belief that we will get better because of the changes we're going to implement. So we're going to start practicing a little bit more. We're going to start kicking guys out of practice for messing up. We're going to start taking game time away from guys that continue to make penalties. And they understand it. They know it. Um, It's about holding ourselves accountable, and it's gotten to the point where we can't tolerate it anymore. So it will stop. And, uh, and if not, we'll find other people that can do it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that may sound harsh, but when you look at football and you look at discipline, you look at different things, we're a good football team. We can overcome a lot of things. We've overcome a turnover deficiency in a game and won a game. We've overcome deficits in games and won. We've overcome having 17 penalties when the other team had eight and won a game. But when you play football, you just make it a whole lot harder to win when you continue to be undisciplined. And I mean, out of the 14 penalties, there's seven undisciplined penalties. There's seven penalties that are judgmental by the referees. We need to use better technique and we need to you know, get better at those things. The seven that are disciplined, the offsides, the procedure, all those things have to stop. A little bit from Jason Moss, of course, the coaches show every Monday from 7.30 to 8. Jason comes in studio, sits down with Morley Scott. So 10.5 penalties per game for the Eskimos. By the way, the best team in the CFL is Toronto. They're only taking 5.7. Calgary, the best team in the league, they're at 7.1 per game. I'm going to set this as a goal for the Eskimos tomorrow. Well, besides winning the game. Eight penalties or fewer. That's two per quarter on average. I, I think you should be able to commit two or less penalties per quarter throughout the course of a game. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Nick says, Reed, I do hope the Eskimos will not take the Alouettes for granted. We'll cheer hard for the rest of the season, just hoping they can uh, make a good try at winning the Grey Cup. And, of course, the Grey Cup is here in Edmonton. Long- 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Way between now and then, a game the Eskimos should win tomorrow. They'll have to stop their old buddy, Darius Bowman. He's next. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Tonight, 6.33. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Chad, you can text 6.30, I will catch up on some of the text to the text line uh, later on this half hour. We're going to get to a Darius Bowman here in uh, a minute or two, but some texts coming in about the Eskimos, some texts coming in about the Oilers. Hockey approaching, uh, what are we, uh, less than a month away from training camp, starting on September 15th. You heard the Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, stinger coming back from break there. And uh, the Perry Pern three-on-three camp. A lot of NHLers in town for that. That starts uh, Monday already. I think Oilers defenseman Matt Benning is going to be one of the players skating at that. So the hockey's ramping up. We're coming up to the big Labor Day home-and-home in the Canadian Football League. Uh, And uh, halfway point of the Eskimo season already tomorrow, they're 5-3 and going into the game against Montreal. Ottawa and Winnipeg just kicking off. Both those teams are sitting at 5-3 and three on the season. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, yeah, that text line 630-630 and the phone number 780-496-0063. A couple of years ago with the Edmonton Eskimos, he racked up a whopping 1,761 yards receiving while one of his four thousand yard receiving seasons while wearing green and gold he returns to commonwealth as a member of the montreal alouettes welcome back to 630 chad receiver adarius bowman adarius how are you doing Oh, doing amazing, man. Uh, enjoying it out here in Montreal right now. <laughs> well, good stuff. And uh, heading back to Edmonton, uh, Darius, uh, how is it going to feel to be a visitor at Commonwealth Stadium after playing here the last few seasons? What are you thinking about the game coming up? Oh, uh, man, uh, first of all, very excited about it. Uh, secondly, is, uh, I guess I'll be a visitor that's visiting home. <laughs> Edmonton's kind of became home to me, so uh, I think it's going to be exciting tomorrow. Uh, I, I mean, you won a great cup here, so obviously that's the, that's a pretty big deal and pretty pretty memorable. Is is that the number one highlight of of, uh, of being an Eskimo, or is there maybe something that happened behind the scenes or in the community that stands out for you too? Uh, I don't I don't think it's one thing. It's a combination of kind of all those things you uh, you just said. I spent spent seven years there. Uh, definitely won a great cup. Came across some amazing teammates, amazing coaches. Uh, got married there, had my daughter there at the Stol- uh, at, at uh, Lucina Birth Center. Uh, yeah, just a bunch of memories. Got neighbors, no kids that uh, was in the uh, A for A program, no kids I've trained over the years. So it was seven good years up in Edmonton. Can't erase that. 
Okay, right on. Well, uh, now with with Montreal and uh, and the question about the, uh, I'm sure a lot of Alouettes are being asked lately, and I'm going to ask you the same thing. And, uh, and I know his status is uh, is maybe not looking good for Saturday's game. But uh, what's it like having Johnny Manziel as a teammate? What's it been like being around him and sort of all the hype that's uh, been around the team since he came aboard? Oh man, it's definitely got a lot of hype, man. But uh, honestly. Since uh, the guy's been around, a very down-to-earth, chill person. He's a, a normal guy, you know what I mean? So uh, I've been enjoying working with him, you know, as a guy that want to turn things around and and get his career back going. And I wish I wish him the best, and I'm glad to be here with him. So uh, it's been good. You know, his his talent, a lot's been made about his ability to, to move around and, and throw on the run. Do you, do you think once he gets a few games under his belt that uh, he's going to be pretty dangerous, or, or how do you look at uh, his skill set transferring to the Canadian game? Well, I definitely feel like he has the skill. You know, uh, he showed it at the, the college level, and then, you know, I guess he's still trying to get it rolling in the pro level. But uh, in terms of practicing with him on a day-to-day basis, definitely once he gets himself, you know what I mean, comfortable with everything, like I say, uh, I know I hear a lot of quarterbacks saying uh, the CFL game's a little different, you know, and uh, not a lot of people have success off one or two games, but I definitely could see him uh, having a great career up here if he decides to stay here forever, but uh, definitely I'm enjoying it so far. Right on. Darius Bowman joining us on Inside Sports tonight now with the Montreal Alouettes. Obviously, when uh, uh, when you were the free agent in the offseason, you, you wind up uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I know at the time you were you were pretty excited to go there. Um, uh, Darius, just give us a sense of, of uh, maybe why it didn't didn't work out with for you in, in Winnipeg and uh, and your reaction to the to the trade here and how that's all uh, gone down for you. Oh, uh, man, the reaction, I was uh, just just thank, just thankful and grateful to be able to continue playing what I love to do. Uh, <clears throat> to the first question about Winnipeg, honestly, uh, I felt like it was a great environment, good team, having nothing negative to say about him. You know, uh, Coach O'Shea, all the boys over there, but he honestly just came to me and said, uh, in terms of like, you know, they really didn't see the, it wasn't working out in terms of me fitting into their scheme and their offense. Uh, he's a guy, he felt like I still had a lot of work to do, and he wanted to give me the opportunity to do that. So uh, I was thankful for it. Like I say, no looking back, though. It was a great stop. But but I mean you you've been through that right I mean that's that's pro sports right there there's there's no promises so you never know what the next day is going to bring I, I assume mm-hmm. that you, you you've told yourself and learned that lesson a long time ago. Oh man yeah and uh, definitely uh, it still applies but uh, like you say you got the family out here with me so you just you, you get the team together and then we we, we keep it moving and we got the show must go on so like I say uh, I'm excited to to be coming back to Edmonton. Hate is on the, the other side, but very excited. <laughs> and, and reunited with Cavis Reed in Montreal, who was your uh, your coach for a time here in Edmonton, GM uh, in Montreal. I know probably maybe a different relationship than you would have had with him as a coach, but uh, it, was the familiarity there something uh, you were thankful for with Cavis? Oh, very, very, very. Uh, like I said, Cavis was uh, uh, kind of the guy that, that had me leaning towards Edmonton when I was leaving Winnipeg. He was our defensive coordinator at the time, so he was kind of thinking on getting that job in 2011 and uh, that's kind of what my Edmonton, the, the Edmonton and Darius Bowman we all know about kind of started so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Alright now, now you tell me Darius when, when you go up against the Eskimos do you go over to your defensive guys and say you know you gotta watch out for this Riley guy here are some things he likes to do or uh... <laughs> oh, man. oh man like I say uh, honestly man Mike's been putting it, putting it on tape for some years so uh I could say a lot, but I think everybody kind of know it. You know what I mean? Definitely, 
like I say, any, anything I would say about Mike, it holds true, even being on the opposite side of the ball. Uh, great player, great leader, you know what I mean? Enjoyed all the work that we did, but uh, definitely going up against them tomorrow. Well, Darius, uh, I, I know Eskimos fans are, are great to hear from you tonight, and they're always still pulling for you regardless of where you go. Thanks for making time for us here on 630 Chat, and all the best the rest of the season. Oh, man, I always got time for you guys. And, and tell the city of Edmonton, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow, man. I miss you guys. Well, there it is, straight from Darius Bowman. He misses you guys. He's ready to go against the green and gold. And uh, I mentioned his stats, a hugely productive player while he was with the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, hasn't been being used a lot this year. Did get into one game for the Alouettes since the trade. Had four receptions for 40 yards. You can text 630-630. And uh, we have a text here from Eskimo fan Tony who says, Hey, Reed, love to hear from a Darius Bowman. Loved cheering for him when he was an Eskimo. But the harsh reality is huge drop-off in his performance. People were mad when the Eskimos didn't resign him, but that was absolutely the right call. He wouldn't be able to come near to cracking the Eskimos' current receiving core. That is a text to 630-630 from Eskimo fan Tony. Uh, also have a text here from Marcel, who says, Hey, Reed, don't want to sound like a cocky fan, but it will be an Eskimo blowout victory tomorrow. You can take that to the bank. Not worried about the Alouettes. Am worried about the Eskimos' next three games. Could they be merely 6-6 six and six after the Labor Day home-and-home? Home? That's from Marcel. Uh, well, if they uh, win tomorrow, they get to 6-3. and three. Then they are at Hamilton on Thursday. Now, the Tiger Cats are an interesting team. I, I keep thinking that they should have a better record than they have, but they've dropped some games. They're only 3-5, and five, a bye this week, so they'll uh, have the advantage of rest taking on the Eskimos on Thursday. Uh, and don't forget, they clobbered the Eskimos back in week two of the season. I remember listening to the second half of that game in my hotel room in Dallas after I got back to the hotel after covering the first round of the NHL draft, and uh, I could tell from Dave and Morley. Didn't need to see it. It was ugly. Sounded like Commonwealth Stadium was empty. There wasn't a lot of playmaking going on for the Eskimos. Uh, and, uh, you know, Hamilton's been a tough place to play for the green and gold. Obviously, that's a concern. Then you got ho- the home and home against Calgary. Uh, hey, that, that fair, fair concern. If you're going to hike up your worry pants at this point in the season, I think that's it. I mean, tomorrow's game, obviously the Eskimos have to go go out there and take care of business. I would hope they as players aren't taking the Alouettes lightly. Uh, we as observers, we can think whatever we want because we don't affect the outcome of the game. So uh, Marcel's saying it's going to be a blowout tomorrow. I, I, you know, I mean, the Eskimos are favored by 17 points. Uh, they they were a little sloppy in Montreal a couple of weeks ago, but ultimately got a fairly convincing victory. But then after that, sure, at Hamilton... Uh, at Calgary, home to Calgary. Uh, what the Stamps have swept the Labor Day home and home for the last five seasons. So sure, legitimate, uh, legitimate concern for sure. Uh, some text concerning the Edmonton Oilers. Dave Leppard says, uh, "Hey Reed, can you shed some light on the Darnell Nurse situation? Would love to get him signed, especially with the Sekera injury. Are we any any danger of losing him? Well, you know, it's it's dragged on a little bit. He uh, he will be signed." Uh, I, I would think there's probably some discussion there where I, I would imagine uh, maybe Nurse is going for a one-year deal and hoping to play really well and then get a bigger deal a year from now. The Oilers would probably like to lock him up for a couple of years at around $3 million per season and, and keep that under control in terms of the cost. Uh, they're not, they're not going to lose Darnell Nurse. I, I mean, uh, 
sure, other teams can present an offer sheet. The Oilers uh, would I, I would likely match it unless it was for some reason absolutely astronomical. But uh, I, I don't think there's any danger of losing Darnell Nurse. It's taken longer than you, than you would have thought to get him signed, but he'll be back with the Oilers. Kevin from Stoney says, uh, is there a team looking to get to the cap floor that would possibly take Sekera's contract? Send Evan Bouchard back to junior after nine games. Don't count out Kyler Yamamoto. And the coaches can't be scared to start Lucic on the third line with second power play time. And Kevin concludes by saying the Oilers will make the playoffs as a wildcard team. You know, Kevin, when I saw your text roll in, I quickly uh, went to CapFriendly, CapFriendly.com. Really good website for looking at contracts. They don't have any team under the cap floor. Uh, Carolina, the lowest at 61 million. Cap floor, uh, what is it, 58 million. So it looks like everybody's, uh, you know, in in a comfortably over the cap floor. So I don't know if that's a tactic that the Oilers could use to unload Sekera's contract, especially with a couple of years left on it. I still think you got to hope he can come back and be productive. Though obviously this could very well turn out to be another lost year for him. Evan Bouchard, yeah, I think he'll get a look. I don't know if he'll get all nine games in the NHL, but I think he'll get some. Uh, Kevin, I'm with you on Yamamoto. I I, I think he can make an impact. I think he can provide some support scoring. If not this year, down the road, I think he's a surer bet to be a long-term, more of a long-term, more of a productive NHLer than than Jesse Puliyarvi. Quite frankly, I, I hope I'm wrong about Puliyarvi. I still watch him, and I'm kind of like, what, what, what is going on there? Is has he taken the steps that that we need? Uh, I would think Lucic will still. Th- I wonder if the Oilers' second line to start the season, or maybe at least start camp. I mean, we're getting way ahead of it here. Is is it going to be dry settle between Lucic and Reader? I think that could be it to start. So I think he'll start on the second line, and yeah, he probably starts on the second power play, given his production uh, from last season. Just some of the texts we've had coming in at six thirty six thirty. You can always chime in, and the phone number is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right, uh, they are underway in Winnipeg. Only three minutes into the game, no score between the Red Blacks and the Blue Bombers. Edmonton Marathon is Sunday. The founder of the running room, John Stanton, is going to join us. He always comes in the week leading up to the marathon. He is great to have on the show. J.C. Sherritt set for career game number 100 in the CFL. You'll hear from him when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. I was talking about with Dave Campbell earlier. There's going to be another statement from the Eskimos, the CFL, and the Alouettes at noon tomorrow about the uh, smoke conditions as it pertains to tomorrow night's game. The kickoff is scheduled for 7. Our pregame show on 6.30, Shed, will start at 5.30. Dave and I were, were talking about it. The, the options, I mean, they, they want to play the game tomorrow. There, there's no doubt about it, preferably at 7. They, they could move it back to 8 maybe even nine. I don't think they would start it later than nine. Sunday is also a possibility, but then you have the Eskimos with a really short week to face Hamilton on Thursday. And I I think the uh, absolute worst option, and I was looking ahead at the CFL schedule, I don't even know how it would work 
would would be to play the game at some time in October. The Eskimos and Alouettes do not share a bye week. I was looking if there were other games that could be moved around. I, I mean, just from looking at the schedule on the website, I didn't see anything. I, I think the game's going to go tomorrow. I mean, it's supposed to be uh, hopefully not too bad in the, in the smoke department. Obviously, there are some unpredictable uh, things pertaining to the weather pattern, the wind pattern, and the fires, and everything to do with that. But hopefully it does indeed go at 7 o'clock tomorrow. We had former uh, Hamilton Tiger Cat and Toronto Argo Mike Morreale on the show last night. Uh, 21 years ago in 1997, he remembers some bad air conditions for a game in Hamilton. You know, coming from Hamilton, this might not be any any surprise, but we played uh, the day after the Plastamet fire here in uh, the Flamborough area, which was the biggest tire fire, I think, in Ontario at the very least, which you can imagine uh, was uh, not uh, very health uh, conscious of us to go out on the field and, and play a football game with, uh, you know, soot and everything else hanging over our head. But I chalked that up to uh, only in the CFL. Uh, one day somebody write a book and there'll be a lot of those stories all right so uh, mike morreale with some memories last night on the show he was great to have on inside sports you miss anything by the way you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes or you can go to the 630 ched website go to the show page we have all the audio archived uh, last night's show was really cool had Mike Morreale on, Randy Spencer, former Edmonton Eskimos defensive lineman, was in studio. We had the Plouffe sisters in studio, Michelle and Catherine. They play for the Canadian women's basketball team, grads of Harry Ainley. They have their Plouffe hoops camp this weekend at Harry Ainley, and they will be playing with Canada at the Women's World Basketball Championships uh, next month. So they have a lot going on in their lives. J.C. Sherritt, great Eskimos linebacker. CFL game 100 tomorrow. Uh, I can remember my first one like it was yesterday. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's been a hard road to get here. It, that's for sure. Um, but it's definitely uh, it's a big deal to me. And it's something I'm very proud of. What do you remember about that first game? I remember thinking, I can't believe how fast-paced this game is. I can't catch my breath. And the grit, the feeling of winning that football game. And I played pretty dang good, too. So that's As I recall, good. you had like 11 <laughs> tackles, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was uh, three days before that. I didn't even know I was going to be active roster. I thought I was practice roster. So uh, it was a really fun five-day swing there. J.C. Sherritt, first game July 3rd, 2011, had 10 tackles against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You got to go his name pretty quickly. And he, he was also talking to Morley about keeping that intensity the passion the work ethic you got to keep it high every single day to just be in here and be trying to improve your game or your body every day you're here uh, you just can't waste moments man um, because there's not a day goes by I mean right now uh, there's guys who their job is to find a better version of me who can take my job uh, and that's just how you got to look at it man there, there's all oh, you're always trying to be replaced and that's that, that's how the game is there's nothing wrong with that uh, it brings the best out of you did you get a more of appreciation for the games because of last year yeah, for sure. And I mean, that wasn't the first time I've been seriously hurt. So it's, uh, I've had to battle through some pretty tough times. Uh, and it just makes it every time you get to come back and do this that much better. J.C. Schertz uh, certainly been a fan favorite for the Eskimos since he debuted in 2011. Last year, pretty much wiped out, got hurt in the first game of the year. Remember, was working hard to come back. 
was on the sidelines in his in his civvies, as we call them, uh, for, for the West Final against Calgary. Was uh, very hopeful to play the Grey Cup had the Eskimos advanced, but that didn't work out. You know, if you look at the Eskimos depth chart, uh, the, I think the, the, they got a pretty good linebacking core. Malumba Shaminga is going to be back. Sherritt's playing. Uh, Chris Edwards has had his penalty issues. He's a bit of an up-and-down player. The secondary... Looking a little better. Obviously, Aaron Grimes has been good. You got Mercy Maston and Nick Taylor on the corners. Taylor's pretty fast. He can make some plays. Uh, Josh Woodman's your Canadian safety. Forrest Hightower has been back at halfback. I, I hope the defense is coming along. You know, I didn't. I, I didn't think they played that bad against BC, but they they didn't play the complimentary football that Jason Moss talks about, and the offense was totally shut down in the second half, especially the third quarter, when not only did they not get a first down, they only got two total yards in the third quarter against BC. How about Kwaku Boateng on the defensive end, a Canadian guy? Uh, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, really showing potential as a ru- uh, as a rush end, and, and I and I think Mike Benavides is starting to call a little bit more pressure. We, speaking of Sherritt, we we've seen him blitzing more often than I think he has in the past. So uh, Antonio Pipkin probably going to have a lot of green and gold in his face tomorrow when the Eskimos host the Alouettes. All right, Dan, the Stone guy from east of Camrose. By the way, given the uh, laws in this country, couldn't he be Dan the stoned guy from east of Camrose and he wouldn't have to feel bad about saying that? After so October 17th. It's October 17th. So he is the stone guy, just to clarify, Dan. Just having a fun little fun with there. Uh, yes, the, uh, he's reminding me the Little League World Series is on and Canada's trailing Panama 6-1 in the top of the fifth. The Blue Jays and Yankees are tied 5-5 in the fifth. And in the CFL, it is 8-0 Ottawa leading Winnipeg. Seven minutes left in the first quarter. All right, we got a break for the news. A little marathon talk. The man himself, the founder of the running room, John Stanton, in studio when we get back. Thanks for tuning in. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.